This is the Daily Signal podcast for Monday, October 29th. I'm Rob Bluey, Editor-in-Chief. And I'm Jenny Maltabano. On today's show, we'll feature interviews from a recent Trump rally in Houston. Ginny traveled to her hometown to hear what's on the mind of these Texans. We'll share those clips with you in a few minutes. We also have some of your letters and some good news about my co-host. But first, we visit with Catherine Jean Lopez, a longtime conservative journalist at National Review, who shares her perspective on media bias, socialism, and what Americans can learn from the movie Gosnell. We'll be right back with that interview. Are you into storytelling podcasts that help explain some of today's toughest policy issues and debates? Every week on the Heritage Explains podcast, we interview experts, intermingling media clips and personal stories to help simplify issues from a conservative perspective. Find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Catherine Jean Lopez, welcome to The Daily Signal. Thanks for having me on. You are a senior fellow at the National Review Institute and editor-at-large of National Review. We're all big fans, of course, and have our own Kate Trinko, who is a National Review alum. So yeah. it's great to have you on the Daily Signal podcast. Yeah, no, it's it's great to be here. I I, I think I've known you for like two decades now. <laughs> it seems you like don't it's... look old enough for that, but <laughs> I think it's true. That's not the first time that's come up on the show. <laughs> it's not. Well, I, I want to ask you, you know, just to begin with, uh, tell our listeners about the National Review Institute. I know you had a sure. major event uh, just last week, which we we covered on the Daily Signal, um, in which our former president Ed Fulner was uh, presented with the William F. Buckley Jr. Prize for Leadership in Political Thought. Right. But it's just one of the many things that you do at the institute. So tell our listeners a little bit more about it. Right. So so Bill Buckley founded the National Review Institute, and it's had many iterations over the years. Um, there were there were a lot of great conferences in the '90s that went on. Um, we have a a fellows program, um, actually regional fellows program in different cities that um, that started maybe maybe about ten years ago, a little less than that, um, and and the idea now is 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 really to um, to focus on Bill Buckley's legacy and, and not just the person but the ideas and and so it's very much in the tradition too of of National Review in general. So we have the magazine, of course, w- w- which um, many of your listeners are probably familiar with. Um, but but this sort of complements it in in a couple of ways. One of them, to be be honest, is we don't know what the future of magazines are going to be. Uh, younger people, especially, don't subscribe to magazines, and so um, so a number of the writers, including myself, are at the institute, and we do other things. Like today, I co-hosted a panel with Ryan Anderson here on on assisted suicide. Um, so, so we're able to talk about ideas in lots of different venues and, and bring people together, which is something that Bill Buckley always did, both in the pages of National Review and just by virtue of who he was. He would have people over for dinner and, and have conversations. And, of course, there was Firing Line where – Firing Line really um, – first of all, the Hoover Institution, I, I'm so grateful they have a number of, of the episodes online – and um, he, he wasn't afraid to have anybody on there. He had Saul Alinsky on. The, he ran the gamut. He had Mother Teresa. He had Saul Alinsky. He had there's a famous episode with Hugh Hefner um, where, where he basically starts by saying, I, I think think you're you're 
contributing to the moral rod of America, you know, is sort of so he didn't he didn't um, he wasn't shy about his opinions, although in the Mother Teresa one, he did say he was going to uncharacteristically uh, not comment <laughs> during the course of, of the interview. But 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 anyway, so we're tra- trying to 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 uh, continue in that tradition. And it, obviously, it's a, a really important thing right now, particularly given politics, where where politics is um what is the conservative movement and what is that going to look like in the future? Um, so that's some of what we do. And I, I direct in, um, an institute on on civil society, religion and culture, um, which makes me so happy. I don't have to, like, pay attention to the midterm elections as much as some other people have, have to. Um, and we obviously do that at NR. Um, but uh, but I can focus on some of the longer range. Yeah, things. well, we certainly appreciate it. And, of course, we had a great event at the Heritage Foundation I believe it was last year, um, in which we uh, honored William F. Buckley and his legacy. And as you and I were talking, the Daily Signal, in many respects, tries to carry on as well um, the legacy of of Buckley and the work that we do. And uh, and I'm glad you brought up Firing Lauren, because I think in some ways it's kind of an inspiration for for this show. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, one of the longest running, or if not the longest running, public affairs uh, program on television. So... Uh, a lot to admire with William F. Buckley and National Review. So thank you again. And of for course, being his here. picture is on various floors of the Heritage <laughs> yes. Foundation. So, so he's no stranger to Heritage, and he spoke here many times and was a supporter and friend of Ed Volner's and others. Yes. Catherine, you mentioned that you're here at the Heritage Foundation for the event that celebrated the life of J.J. Hansen. Can right. you tell us about who he was? An amazing man, and we had his um, his wife as one of our speakers, and she's just wonderful and amazing. Uh, so he was a Marine, and uh, he uh, was diagnosed with uh, brain cancer and um, was told that he had a few months to live and he should just go home and, and die. And at the same time, Brittany Maynard um, was in the news because she had gotten a diagnosis and she was moving to a state where physician-assisted suicide was legal so she could take her life. And um, she became a household name, and he didn't. And his his story needs to be known. So um, so the day of his funeral mass, um, I emailed Ryan and said, we have to do this, and he agreed entirely. Um, when, the, when the time was right, obviously, we weren't going to— I knew Kristen had to be a part of this this panel, um, and I'm so grateful the Daily Signal has interviewed her. She's just a, a wonderful witness to and and what is probably most powerful about their story is he was a Marine. He had a wife who was in the fight with him, who would be an advocate for him. People don't have that. People don't always have that, and so um, so she talks about how hard it was for them. Um, it's so much harder for people who don't know what they're get, getting into. And, and obviously, it's such an emotional time and issue. And if you don't have doctors on your side, at the uh, and which isn't a given that you have doctors on your side, um, it's, it's a really dangerous place to be. So, um, so it, uh, we, had to, we wanted to celebrate his life. Um, we started with two videos where we had him. So he was essentially a panelist which was was a tremendous thing to be able to do. And uh, I, I remember his, he died um, at the end of last year. And in January, it was actually a blizzard in New York the day of his funeral mass. And you would not believe the people who got there, and including, I don't know how the, the you know, 
this was one of those nor'easters, everything's shutting down, you know, civilization comes to a halt kind of things. And uh, and and they live in Yulan, New York, which is sort of by the Catskills, I think, but very rural, out of the way kind of place. People from California and Denver were getting there. It was it was amazing. Um, I I myself got got there. I confess in an Uber, which is a whole nother story, um, but made it within five minutes of the funeral. It's just it was this convergence. You knew everyone who was there was supposed to be there, you know, and maybe somebody was watching out for you to make sure you got there. But it was such a, a testament to to his life and how powerful there was a overflow in um, the, the 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 church uh, parish hall, you know, um, because of a standing room only in the church. And at a certain point, you can't fit any more people in the church. So anyway, it was it, it was tremendous that we were able to to talk about not only his life and what they went through and the advocacy work that Kristen continues to do at the Patients' Rights Action Fund, but we also had um, the Mother Superior of uh, the Hawthorne Dominicans who were. Um, uh, 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 an order of Catholic women religious who are dedicated to caring for cancer patients. And actually that day of, of uh, JJ's funeral mass, a few of us wound up at their, their hospice in, in, in New York getting a, a tour of it. Um, and it's, it's really powerful when you get, start to get to focus on there are actual solutions here. We're not people who are advocating against assisted suicide aren't, asking for for people to have to suffer needlessly you know that's not what it's about it's about providing the support um so so that people can can live until the natural end well and i'm so i'm so glad that uh we were able to to showcase some of those stories it it is really uh remarkable um you know the, the stories that don't get told um you you set up that uh, question by talking about the contrast um and it seems that the media does tend to celebrate those stories that end in physician assisted suicide mm-hmm. and you don't hear about alternatives so uh for us to to be able to bring that one of the other stories that i think has a similar parallel is Kermit Gosnell yeah um you'll remember that during the trial the media didn't show up. I mean, here is an abortion doctor in Philadelphia. You would think that the case itself would generate attention. Uh, but thanks to the work of Anne McElhaney, uh, mm. who was a guest on this podcast recently, and Phelan McAleer, there's a new movie called Gosnell, right. which is in theaters. You wrote about it for, for National Review. And I wanted to ask why you think it's so important for Americans to see this movie and what message it, it uh, brings. It's important, first of all, um, because it doesn't have a lot of support. Uh, they had to fundraise. They had to fight to, to get this in theaters. Um, we should support it, period. I you know, have it on my computer, but I went to the theater and brought people with me uh, because that's important. Um, opening weekend, you know, um, don't wait for it to go on Netflix or wherever, but go to the theater. Um, and there's not much time because it's it's being taken out of theaters. So go go. T- Tomorrow, go this weekend. Um, you know, actually, in the we had a small lunch discussion after our panel today, and Gosnell kept coming up in in the context of of, of assisted suicide because the Gosnell um, case really shows the dangers of the complicity and the the ideologicalization of medicine and politics, and because you had 
a Republican governor who said, stay away from that, you know, in, in terms of his own health department, uh, keeping the, uh, a, a clinic to standards of care. Right. Um, because it was about because it was about abortion. We don't want to touch that. You know, you see in the movie where where the lead prosecutor is told you're not going to have a career if you lose this case because it's about abortion. And so um, so when when you talk about assisted suicide, um, there's this danger that it becomes politicized. And once it's legal, the medical profession automatically becomes complicit in this. Um, and, uh, you know, doctors need to keep jobs. And so they go along and all the, that. It, that is just a disaster for the individual. Right. And and it's it's striking to me, too, that assisted suicide is pushed, as is abortion with words euphemistically like freedom, you know, and at the end of the day, this is not, this is not, most of the people who are going to be hurt by assisted suicide laws, as, as in the case with abortion, are poor minorities. Um, that That's what we saw in, in Philadelphia in the Gosnell case, mostly, mostly black women, um, um, an immigrant who died, um, in in the clinic, um, this is, you know, the, we have these debates, and it it it, it um, but it's almost like we have the luxury to think about well, this radical autonomy idea, and at the end of the day, we're just ending people's lives and making families miserable. And one one of the the important things, assisted suicide is just on my my mind, obviously, because we spent three hours talking about it today, um, but um, but but but. People are hurt by this, and and the idea that the whole the whole idea of um, sister M- mother Mary Francis talked about this today talked about the sanctity of dying moments. We're really doing a disservice to people when when we're saying ending a life sooner is better, um, because yes, we do, we don't we don't want to suffer needlessly, but. Very often at the end of life, that's where family reconciliation happens. We're just robbing people and depriving people of so much. Um, but the, the Gosnell, Gosnell movie is is really an example. First of all, the, the perseverance and the tenacity of, of the filmmakers. Um, and I, I give a lot of credit to the actors who said yes to this movie because that was sort of a thankless thing. Um, that's another reason you should go out and support it. Um, Dean Kane didn't need to do that, you know. Um, it, this is the kind of thing that, as conservatives, we need to support. Not not every conservative needs to work at the Heritage Foundation. You know, we we need to be doing doing things like this. Well, Rob mentioned that during the Gosnell case, the media didn't really show up. They've taken a lot of heat from that. The media is still taking a lot of heat in general. Uh, you've had a long career as a conservative columnist. How has the media bias become worse under President Trump? Would you say? Oh gosh! Well, it's it's certainly um, a, a subject of presidential tweets quite often, right? Yes. I think it's you know it's, it's out in the open a lot more. You know, I've always been an advocate of let's just be honest. We all have our worldview. Let let's just advertise what our worldview is. You know, um, people know I'm a Catholic commentator, conservative commentator, and and so my cards are on the table. I think everybody's cards should be on the table at the end of the day. And I guess it, that's sort of what Trump is managing to do, forcing people's cards to be on the table. Um, yeah. Very often, 
media people in the media don't even realize their own biases, which I think is 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 why there should be sort of an examination of conscience in newsrooms where where you um you figure out yeah actually this is what we've been doing advocacy advocacy you know um because it would it would just make everything a lot more honest. Well, I, I want to ask you. Uh, it's great, by the way. It's great to talk to you about these these cultural issues. I mean, I think it's one of the things that uh, you know people like Andrew Breitbart always said: culture is upstream from politics, right? And right. in so many cases, we we see both the media and Hollywood and and others, um, you know, determining the way that American people think about things. And one of the things that we've seen recently in polls is the support for socialism and socialist policies on the rise, particularly among young people and and Democrats. What do you attribute some of these changes in thinking to? I mean, that's not long ago where it was uh, thought of as, as I believe Eric Bowling told us, if you called Barack Obama a socialist, you were called out by members of his own party, and now they're wearing it as a badge of honor. I think some of it may just have to do. I, I was struck by the number of people who in the primaries had supported Bernie Sanders and then switched to Trump. You know, some of it I think right. is personality driven. Um, some of it is a rebellion against the system kind of kind of thing. Obviously, some of it's a lack of education. You know, something that drives me crazy, and I'm sorry for anybody in the building who might not talk might talk about this, but I don't. I don't think heritage people do. The constant talking about a civil war, a pending civil war. Do you not know what the civil war was? We do not want a civil war. You know, I don't think we're on the verge of a civil war either. I think people who stoke that is, are having those kind of conversations are are maybe lighting a fire in you know in a combustible area. But um, but I I think that that probably has a lot to do with it. Well, Ginny, you had the opportunity to, to visit uh, Houston, Texas, uh, your hometown, for President Trump's rally with Senator Ted Cruz. And we're going to play some of those clips uh, after this segment. So we'll hear from some of those Americans who are certainly opinionated about the direction our country is headed. <laughs> Catherine, thanks so much for joining us on today's Thank show. You so Thank much. you so much. Are you tired of the left defining what it means to be a feminist? Then you'll love Problematic Women, a podcast and Facebook live show that takes on women's issues from a conservative perspective. Subscribe and tune in every Thursday. Ginny, you recently had the opportunity to travel with our colleague Morgan Walker to another Trump rally. This is your second in just a few weeks. Uh, tell us what it was like to be in Houston, Texas. It was great. The first rally we went to in Ohio was sort of in the middle of nowhere, and this one was smack dab right in the middle of Houston. So it was much more chaotic, but I think they gave out something like 100,000 tickets. They did it at the Toyota Center, which hosts the Houston Rockets. People were fired up. They were excited. What struck me is how many young people there were and how many women and also how many families were there. And people were so willing to talk and so happy. And the clips you'll hear are about immigration and the caravan. But something else I asked them, which I hope we we put out soon, is what is your message to President Trump? And people were so thankful, Rob, so grateful. They kept saying, don't let people get you down. You're fulfilling your promises. We're proud of you. It was really something to hear that, especially in my hometown. So thank you all for letting me go down there. Well, we're <laughs> glad you did. And certainly um, getting outside of Washington and hearing from Americans is something that we love to do at The Daily Signal. So let's take a listen. To what they have to say. We need to stop this mob of people that are coming up from Central America. 
And uh, that's going to be up to more than us. It'll have to be those countries involved in it, too. I want to see him call the quote-unquote caravan what it really is. It's an invasion. And I want to see him take action on that. It scares the heck out of me because, unfortunately, we're going to have to take care of all those people. And I don't like my tax dollars going towards that. There's rules and there's laws that people have to follow, uh, and that's how societies work. And if you can't follow them, then go somewhere else. I'm sorry, but that's, that's, just, that's just reality. I know they're wanting to come to the United States. Who wouldn't? But I think they should do it legally, and I think the way they're doing it is um, overwhelming. I think they're going to come over here. Uh, illegally, then, you know, that's that's not right. You know, we got a lot of people that come over here and done it the right way. That's the way it should be done. I'm an immigrant from Mexico, but we I'm here legally. I mean, I paid a, we paid a lot of money to become legal. So it's you know my my family, my mom, my dad, we're all here legal. I have plenty of friends who are here legally, my you know immigrants, and it's not fair that they've gone through the process, and then there are people just coming over illegally while these people are waiting years and years and years just to get green card citizenship, it's just not fair. I have no problem with um, people coming here and actually getting their citizenship because I have a friend whose family has been working really hard to try to get a citizenship, but it's hard for him not to actually get it because there's so many actual legals here. Because I do business here in Texas, have a business, um, there are a lot of good, hardworking people that come here from other countries, and I'm sure they feel the same way that I do, that everybody comes in legally. Because a lot of people that are here that have businesses, they've all come in here legally and they're doing very well. Yes, my mother came legally to the United States and from, from Canada. And so all these people coming in illegally, it's not right. I, I feel bad for them, but come through the right way. Get here legally and we'll welcome you here. Thanks for sending us your letters to the editor. Each Monday, we feature some of our favorites both on this show and in our Morning Bell email newsletter. Ginny, what do we have this week? Well, first up, Mike Williams writes, Dear Daily Signal, I have listened to the Daily Signal podcast for almost a year and enjoy it very much. I had a free moment at work today and thought that I would finally let you know. I am a 57-year-old black man who is a physicist in Washington State. I am an Army veteran who also served during Desert Shield and Storm. Please keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much for that comment, Mike. We appreciate your listenership and hope you continue to enjoy it. This letter comes from Jenny Finn, who says, Hi, Rob. I'm a New Zealander living in New Zealand. I found the Daily Signal when looking for sane news commentary on U.S. events. Thanks for bravely doing what you do. Even though we're far away, we understand the significance of U.S. political events, particularly at this time. The whole world is affected by what happens in U.S. politics, your decisions, and worldviews. We pray much for your country. We are pro-Israel, pro-protecting America, and making it great again. I pray strength, protection, wisdom, and fearlessness to you and your Daily Signal team. Well, thank you again for your letters. We always love hearing from you. We do, and your letter could be featured on next week's show. Send an email to letters at dailysignal.com or leave a voicemail message at 202-608-6205.
And next, we'll share this week's good news story about my co-host here, Rob Bluey. Rob, you received one of the 2018 Buckley Awards, and they recognize outstanding young professionals for their above and beyond service to the Liberty Movement, and they honor the work that William F. Buckley Jr. did for the conservative movement. So congratulations. I know I was able to attend and see your speech. What was that like? Well, it was a true honor, Ginny. I have to tell you. One of the things I I said when receiving the award uh, from the America's Future Foundation, which hosts uh, the event and has done so for uh, the last couple of years, the Buckley Awards themselves are about nine years old. And being named, uh, we just talked about William F. Buckley with Catherine Lopez. And so uh, as, as you, our listeners heard in that interview, it's really meaningful to me as a journalist myself, as somebody who's worked in media, to receive a, an award in his name. Um, he, of course, uh, did tremendous things uh, throughout his career. And the Daily Signal, uh, as I said, is in many respects uh, a culmination of some of the ideas that, that he put forward and what we're trying to carry on, only not in the form of a magazine, but a, a digital and uh, multimedia enterprise. Something that you said in your remarks that really struck me to everyone in the room was about giving back. And you talked about how many great mentors you were fortunate to have during your career and your start and even now. And, you know, you wanted people in the room to really think about being mentors themselves. And I know you've been a fantastic mentor to me and so many people at the Daily Signal and in the movement. So thank you for that. And congratulations again on such a special award. Well, thank Thank you. And I, I really do feel that that is, is so important. In fact, I was uh, recently listening to a podcast um, uh, from one of the award winner sisters, um, and she was interviewing Tony Dungy, who had a similar message. And Tony Dungy, of course, is the Super Bowl winning coach for the Indianapolis Colts, a uh, former Pittsburgh Steeler, so a <laughs> spot in my heart. And I really do think uh, people like that who who give back and and any way that we can make America stronger in the future by helping young people is something that we can all contribute. So I'd really encourage our listeners, if you're involved in your community, find ways to give back. I also want to congratulate some of the other winners because they are, are friends of the Daily yes. Signal. Erica Anderson, uh, who we featured on this show in the past, uh, is a former employee of the Daily Signal and the Heritage Foundation. Uh, she's written a book, uh, which is called Leaving Cloud Nine. Uh, she won an award. Carrie Sheffield, who um, is the founder of Bold, a news program which re just recently featured our own Kelsey Harkness, uh, was another winner. And uh, Christina Sandifer, who is at the Goldwater Institute in Arizona. So congratulations to the three of them as yes. well. What a great night. I know you're able to share it with your family. So congratulations again and to all the winners. Well, we're going to leave it there for today. The Daily Signal podcast is broadcast from the Robert H. Bruce Radio Studio at the Heritage Foundation. You can find it on the Ricochet Audio Network, along with Problematic Women and The Right Side of History. All of our shows can be found at dailysignal.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review or give us feedback. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Daily Signal and Facebook.com slash Daily Signal News. You've been listening to the Daily Signal podcast, executive produced by Kate Trinko and Daniel Davis. Sound designed by Michael Gooden, Lauren Evans, and Thalia Rampersad. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.